Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We have talked about this a lot lately. My guess is we're going to talk about a lot more in the days and possibly even weeks to come. What is next for Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin? And what does actually Munkin want to do here? Does he want to return to the NFL? Does he want to remain at Georgia? Will he be the uh, Dogs offensive coordinator next season? This is one of those sagas we've kind of followed for a while. We talked on Friday's show about kind of the fake quote that was out there that was I think meant to try to calm some concerns for Georgia fans, but it but it wasn't really real. And there's this thing that's out there sometimes where, you know, the appetite for information for Georgia fans never really goes down. Georgia fans always want to know news and information about their team. But sometimes the availability of information is pretty low. And so the gap between what people want to know and what people can know, there's always going to be a desire clout to be chased by sort of stepping into that gap. And you see fake quotes like that. You see, you know, people, you know, that kind of want to step up and maybe give their reason why they don't think Todd Munkin's going to leave here, you know, why he's not going to return to the NFL. But I think it's fairly obvious that the actual truth here at the moment is, is that no one, at least no one that I've talked to, can be for sure about exactly what Todd Munkin wants for his future. And this is one of those things that you just sort of have to ride this news cycle out a little bit to ultimately decide where all of this is going. I think when we last joined you, there had been that chatter out there about a possible connection between Munkin and his former NFL employer, the Tampa Bay Bucks. In fact, we learned that Munkin actually interviewed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there as well, which is the kind of thing that for Georgia, or at least going to interview with the Tampa Bay Bucks, which is the kind of thing that kind of brings some anxiety for Georgia fans. But maybe it's a little bit easy to kind of write all that off and, you know, maybe you could disregard that. But then we found out, and I believe our buddy Connor Riley actually wrote a story about this at DogNation.com over the weekend, that sourced within the NFL have also pointed out at least one other spot that Todd Munkin, I think, has interviewed for there as well. Let me show you this on the screen. Some interest between Todd Munkin and a different NFL team. Now it's beyond just the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's also the Baltimore Ravens as well. Tom Pelissero reporting that the Ravens had interviewed Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin for their offensive co- offensive coordinator job uh, this week per a source. He's says Munkin has been eyeing a potential NFL return and also is slated to speak with the Bucs. That was the team we knew about, but all of a sudden the Ravens over the course of the weekend, they get introduced to all this there as well. And so listen, the presence of a couple of interviews, Ravens, Bucks, who, who knows who else, certainly doesn't, I think, guarantee that Todd Munkin is, as Pelissero says, eyeing a return to the NFL, meaning he's definitely going to do that. But if you're interviewing with multiple NFL teams, I think you at least have to conclude the possibility that this is at least of some interest to Munkin. Like you can't completely disregard this and say, oh, this is just about getting more money for Georgia or getting more leverage or getting more this, getting more that. If you're interviewing for multiple NFL offensive coordinator jobs, I think if you're a Georgia fan, you have no choice but to take this a little bit seriously here right now. Even if we don't you know, fully know where all this is heading, you at least have to take this a little bit seriously, which kind of takes us back to something we talked about on Friday. I think when you listen to some of the things that Munkin has said, 
it's a little bit hard to know how he views his time working at college compared to how he views his time working at the NFL. He's been asked about this plenty and going back to like the college football playoff season where he was interviewed prior to the Peach Bowl in a way that he typically wouldn't be interviewed prior to the national championship game in a way that he typically wouldn't be. Munkin was willing to kind of give us a little bit of a window into his world, a little bit of a window into his thought process, but how the various different jobs have impacted him. But this is not a guy that's like super emotional necessarily. This is not a guy that, you know, necessarily is all that touchy-feely, I guess, if, if you want to say it that way. And so deciphering sometimes by, you know, kind of what he means by by some of this kind of stuff, not always necessarily that easy to do. And in fact, let me give you a, a little bit here. I'm going to break this up into two clips. Uh, Todd Munkin was asked in L.A., I had a chance to interview him, uh, about the difference between what it's like working in college, something that he's done very successfully here at Georgia over the course of the last three years, and working in the NFL, something that Munkin did prior to that in Cleveland, where I think there's some indication that he wasn't super happy, and in Tampa, where I think there's maybe some indication that he was happy, he certainly had more success there. What's the difference between the college job and the NFL job in kind of a crowded room where you have a little bit of room noise? Munkin did talk about that. This goes back to L.A. Here's Todd Munkin. Well, there's different questions being asked. When you're interviewing for a college head coaching job, there's more about development at times, not that maybe they care or not, but they got to ask it about, because they're going to school. You know, there's other things about, um, and maybe recruiting, where there's other questions in the NFL about roster management, you know, handling players, um, a, a schedule, development how are you going to develop these players when the margin for error is so small you're not going to have the best players we're in college a lot of it's got to deal with recruiting how do you get really good players where you're not solely responsible in the nfl for the talent pool you have another department player personnel you're a part of it sure not responsible for it. college you're responsible for it all so your questions are a little bit different so that's Todd Munkin there on that. He also went into a little bit more detail about exactly the difference between those questions asked of a college coordinator, asked of an NFL coordinator. Here's a little bit more of Munkin on that same subject. And then eventually, you know, everybody's got a vision. In a moment when they're hiring somebody, what their vision is of leading. Does that make sense? Leading that program. Like, who do we think fits personality, scheme, you know, those kind of things get along with certain, you know, when it was Green Bay, it was who could get Aaron Rodgers to play at a high level, you know, that's, and that's critically important. And others, it's like, how are you going to get us back on track? And others might be, how are you going to sustain what was already done? Because usually when you take a job in college, they've either had great success and left, or they've been terrible and they got fired. So you're either explaining how we're going to keep it going or explaining how we're going to get it going again. We're in the NFL. You're not going anywhere. Most of the time, they got fired. There is no they moved on. There is no other job they moved on for. Rarely. Rarely. Unless someone paid up drafting. But other than that, that's it. So they are different. So Munkin has a tendency to kind of give long-winded answers a little bit, so much so we had to break that into two different clips. Him talking about the difference between working in college, working in the NFL. So he says a lot there. But here's the one thing that I think that you, if you're a Georgia fan, have to notice that he doesn't say. The one thing that he doesn't say is, oh, man, I love college football more than any experience I've ever had. Oh, man, I've loved working at Georgia here more than anything that's ever happened for me at any point in time. I do think he's been happy. I think he has enjoyed his time at Georgia. But this idea that that you know he's going to give you that sort of emotional 
answer that you're looking for the whole idea of hey let's run it back for 2023 let's go for three in 2023 like that's just not really monk and style necessarily and you know you're listening to him kind of take a very analytical approach of well here's what you do in college and here's what you do in the nfl and as far as which one of those he's more interested in he doesn't do a lot to reveal that nor do i think in really any of the interview stuff we kind of got with monk over the course of those final couple of weeks of the season you just don't really get much of that. You, you just don't really, really know necessarily what he's thinking. And as I've told you now a couple of times, I think you do have to take it seriously that there's an attraction to him about maybe returning to the NFL that doesn't have anything to do with money. And it doesn't mean he's going to take the job necessarily. But if you're interviewing in multiple spots, I think you at least have to take seriously the possibility that Munkin might be looking to make this move here at this point in time in his career. But as we told you, there are twists and turns. There, there are plot twists here. There's, there's sort of different, you know, uh, I guess, chapters to all of this saga. And when we last joined you on Friday, one of the things we talked about is the potential connection that Munkin might have to Tampa. The fact that the Bucks, according to a couple of reports, might have interest in Munkin. But now we know there's a new candidate that's also getting some attention from Tampa there as well. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com, who's been a source of a lot of this information, was also out this weekend talking about Kellen Moore. Now, Moore, you'll remember, as the former quarterback at Boise State, coordinator at the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys and uh, Kellen Moore parted ways, according to Tom Pelissero, who we quoted earlier. Uh, it's a mutual agreement to part ways there on that. Uh, Pelissero goes on to say that Moore is a bright young offensive mind, going to have plenty of options, but Dallas felt change was needed after a disappointing finish and now is looking for a new offensive coordinator. Well, let me re- actually come back and see some more of that because Ian Rappaport then retweets Pelissero to say that the Tampa Bay Bucks are expected to have significant interest in Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator so if you're following along on all of this where we've been since we last spoke about this on friday is at least one more team has emerged as a possible landing spot for munkin if he wants to return to the nfl that's the baltimore ravens reportedly munkin is interviewed to be their offensive coordinator but the original spot and the spot that many believe might be the deepest connection for munkin tampa a place that he once lived and once worked it sounds like, according to Ian Rappaport, who had mentioned Munkin as a candidate for the Bucks a few days ago, is now saying that the Bucks will also have significant interest in Kellen Moore. So all of this just sort of reinforces what I've been saying is we don't really know what Munkin wants to do, nor do we know necessarily where Munkin ranks among some of these NFL teams as their likely best replacement for those that have offensive coordinator spots available. Tampa, for instance, a place there might be some mutual interest, but according to a Rappaport, a, a, a location that's also interested in former Dallas coordinator Kellen Moore. So lots of twists and turns, lots of stuff to follow here. My guess is we're not through talking about this for a long shot. In fact, we'll actually have more to say about this coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, let me shift gears and talk about something completely different. Uh, here just for a couple of minutes and literally this is just for a couple of minutes so Stetson Bennett was arrested over the weekend I guess he's out in Dallas he's that's where he's doing his uh pre-NFL draft training so out having a good time apparently a very good time uh late you really might as well go ahead and call it early Sunday morning uh Bennett gets arrested here on this and literally I don't care about this in the most literal sense in other words I'm not that mad at Bennett for going to have a good time. I'm also not that mad at the police for arresting him. I mean, like knocking on a bunch of doors is kind of a nuisance. So this is one of those things. I sort of don't really care about it at all. It just sort of feels like one of those things in life. that just sort of happens. Um, I do have sort of two takes on this, though. 
Take number one is this. So Bennett now has won two national championships. He's been a Heisman finalist. Uh, you know, he's been on TV literally like every week now for 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 a couple of years. Part of me wonders: Is he famous enough that if he's banging on doors at six forty-five in the morning in Dallas, you look out the window there, allegedly banging on the door, by the way. But if you you look out the window, do these Texans do they know it's Stetson Bennett? Is he is he famous enough now? They're like. What is that, Stetson Bennett? What's he out here doing? Uh, my guess is probably not. My guess is if he's you know banging on doors in uh, suburban Atlanta, maybe maybe the phone call to the police never gets made. You know, maybe that's one of those things out in Texas. He just sort of looks like anybody else that's you know out there you know doing what maybe some of these homeowners sort of wish uh, that he wouldn't be doing. But ultimately, I guess my real take on this is this. To me. Stories like this become a little bit of a litmus test. They sort of tell you more about you than it maybe tells you about the guy involved, in this case, Bennett. Because I think there was probably a time in my life when I probably would have related more to the Bennett side of this story of having a good time and, you know, you know, some people are out there trying to keep you from doing that. The police are getting all over you. I think there was a time in my life when I probably would have sided more with the Bennett part of this. You sort of felt like, you know, people are trying to keep you from having a good time. But now that I'm a little older, like now that I'm a, a homeowner... <laughs> I guess I sort of side with the homeowners a little bit. Like, I don't want anybody banging on my door late at night. I really don't. But then what I actually sort of realized is, is that I'm actually even older than that now because I guess allegedly the uh, the banging on the doors took place at like 645 in the morning, which means I'm actually at a stage of my life now in which I would have already been awake. <laughs> Which is just sort of strange to think about how different like my life is now from where Bennett's life is. Like he's not getting back home until six forty-five local time, whereas by six forty-five I'm already like enjoying my first cup of coffee, sitting around. You know, like when you got young kids, it's like you are addicted to a quiet house, and like the only time my house is ever quiet, it's like six thirty, six forty-five in the morning. So you better believe on the weekends, I'm looking to get up and enjoy that quiet. Maybe get a chance to actually watch my own TV for a second because when my daughter's awake, I sort of never get any kind of control over that whatsoever. So if you want to know how different my life is now from Stetson Bennett's, the time that he's like getting home, apparently, allegedly, is the time I'm sort of like looking forward to waking up, getting a little coffee, uh, you know, enjoying a little bit of a quiet house. And so you can only imagine how weird that'd be if I look over and see Stetson Bennett knocking or trying to figure out where his, I don't know, Airbnb or whatever it is that he's uh, rented is there at that point in time. So I guess the, uh, the actual point of all this is, is that Stetson Bennett's real crime here may have been making me aware of just how old I actually am. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella, window and door of Georgia, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them. Apple, Spotify, all kinds of podcast platforms. By, by the way, on video, we even start at 945 for our first and 15 there at dognation.com. And on the uh, Dog Nation app, we're just happy to have you checking in and being a part of this. And of course, a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. You know, we love Pella Window and Door of Georgia because they've got energy efficient windows and doors. Now, no word on how the Pella Windows and Doors 
the doors in particular would have responded to late night, you know, knocking, you know, no, I don't quite know how they would have responded to that. But my guess is, is that they're so well made. They're constructed so well that maybe you might not have even heard it. Right. It's just such a th- just such a thick door, such a well-made door that if someone was trying to interrupt your sleep, that sort of late Saturday night, early Sunday morning sleep might not have even noticed it at all it might have just been one of those things that just sort of stayed on the outside where it's supposed to be i can't confirm that but it's at least worth considering there on that we do know this though that the pella windows the pella door it is a great product it's the kind of thing that you want to investigate if you're ready to make your house look better on the outside you want to improve that curb appeal or if you want to make your home feel better on the inside there as well because the energy stays right where it's supposed to be have a conversation with one of those pella experts you can find out why you know, survey after survey, year after year, homeowners right here in our market, in our area, have recognized Palo Window and Door of Georgia as kind of the brand leader in all of this. In fact, you can stop by the Experience Center there in Duluth and kind of put your hands on those doors, hands on those windows, kind of feel all of that uh, and really learn what makes it better. You can also take advantage of great savings there, too, because between now and February 25th, you can get 10 percent off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months, plus an entire uh, and I should say an extra $500 off your uh, project there, too. So big, big savings. As I said before, you can stop by and see them right there in their Experience Center in Duluth, or you can go online, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. You can also give them a call, 678-638-1429, 678-638-1429, Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. We're going to talk to John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Uh, John, obviously a part of what has turned out to be a really great streak for the dogs in the Super Bowl. And so we'll celebrate some good news with John on that front here coming up in just a moment as we once again found out this weekend that the Super Bowl will have quite a UGA flair to it once again. So we'll do that with John Stinchcomb here coming up. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And, of course, it's presented today by our friends at AAA. And I want to get back to the uh, Georgia offensive coordinator situation here for a moment because – there are a lot of fans, and we understand this, that there's always that tendency to kind of want to spin things forward of, as we said earlier, you know, Todd Mungin, we don't quite know yet if he really wants to go to the NFL or not, but I think you at least have to take the idea seriously that he might be considering this. You wouldn't be interviewing for multiple NFL offensive coordinator jobs if it wasn't something you were at least considering. I think you have to take that a little bit seriously. And so a lot of Georgia fans are kind of left to conclude, well, what comes next if Georgia moves off of, or I should say, if Todd Munkin were to move on, what comes next maybe for Georgia at offensive coordinator? Well, I think the most logical answer to this might be the fact that that Georgia would turn to a guy that's been coordinator here before and been coordinator a couple of times uh, at various SEC stops, a good close friend of Kirby Smart, who happens to have been working as a quality control analyst on this Georgia staff, Mike Bobo. When Bobo came here, uh, you know, after the situation in Auburn didn't quite finish in a very favorable way, you know, Bobo arriving here to be a part of the staff sort of generate a lot of conversation, generate a lot of interest. Bobo has sort of weirdly been kind of a controversial figure uh, with some Georgia fans. There seems to be this ongoing debate, even prior to the idea that, that, that Bobo would be a potential replacement candidate for Munkin if Munkin were to move on, even prior to that. 
you know, kind of the the reconsideration of the Bobo era as offensive coordinator here, a, an era that ended in 2014, has just kind of always generated a lot of debate among Georgia fans. And so when Bobo was hired as an analyst, you know, going back to the beginning of last year, it generated a lot of chatter even at the time about exactly what is this guy doing here? Well, Kirby Smart going back then kind of talked about that a little bit. This is what Kirby said kind of beginning of last year about the value and the role that Mike Bobo would have working as a quality control analyst here at UGA. This is Kirby on Bobo from back then. In terms of Mike, there's a lot of value in the experiences he's had. He's been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator in our conference. He knows our conference. The five-hour radius we recruit in, he's extremely uh, versed in that. He has a ton of relationships that create value. Um, and as far as role, um, that'll play out as we, as we go along. So that's Kirby kind of breaking down the Mike Bobo part of all of this. And if you're online, if you're active on social media, if you do message boards and things like that, you may be a little bit aware of this, which is that there are a lot of Georgia fans that don't want Mike Bobo to be the replacement for Todd Munkin if Todd Munkin goes on to the NFL. They don't want that. And look, here's what I'm going to tell you. If Georgia is in a position where it has to replace Todd Munkin, then I think Georgia fans are right to zero in on that as a very serious conversation. I absolutely believe that part of the reason, a very big part of the reason, in fact, but part of the reason that Georgia has won the last two national championships is because of the influx of of, of offensive creativity that Todd Munkin has brought UGA. I, I think that Munkin has been a really valuable figure. I think he would be very, very difficult to replace. I think he's been a big part of the success equation here at Georgia. I don't think there's any doubt that's true. Most Georgia fans, I believe, assume that's true, and I think they're right to, to feel that way. However, if you're a Georgia fan and you somehow want to act like that Mike Bobo wouldn't be, shouldn't be considered a capable possible replacement for Todd Munkin, I simply don't think you're being fair. I, I really don't. And if Kirby Smart wants to replace Munkin with Bobo, I think the right and correct opinion. Now, people can feel the way they want to feel, and different people, th- different people think different things. But I just think th- the most correct, the fairest possible interpretation of all this is, is that if Georgia has won two straight national championships, and if Kirby Smart has led Georgia to that success, he gets to hire who he wants. Like the idea that somehow Kirby Smart would not have earned enough of your faith and trust to believe that if Kirby were to tab Bobo as a possible replacement for Munkin, and by the way, we don't even know that Munkin's leaving. He might not. We're having a hypothetical conversation because that's what a lot of Georgia fans are having. Kirby's earned the right to make this move. And it's not just because Bobo's his friend or whatever else. I mean, go back and look at Mike Bobo's last year as offensive coordinator here back in 2014. Georgia averaged 41.3 points per game. Compare that to what they did the following year. The first year after Bobo was gone, they went from 41.3 down to ninth best in the SEC, averaging 26.3 points per game. A huge drop-off. And the big difference there is the exit of Mike Bobo, who became Colorado State head coach, uh, Brian Schottenheimer was obviously not a capable replacement there at all. In other words, Mike Bobo meets the qualifications of what could be uh, an offensive coordinator at a national championship contender like Georgia or a reigning two-time national champion like Georgia. And yeah, maybe the 
you know, the the era for Bobo there at Auburn wasn't quite as pretty as that. But I think you'd also blame some of that on Brian Harson. Maybe the era at South Carolina prior to that wasn't all that successful either. But that was also a coaching staff that was kind of coming to a conclusion. So you can decide, you know, how, how much of an opportunity Mike Bobo really had to turn things around there, given that was sort of already heading the way that it was heading. So the point here for me on this is simply this is that Kirby Smart, if this is the move he wants to make, if Todd Munkin leaves, who among us could say that Smart hasn't earned the right to do that? And who among us would say that Kirby Smart hasn't earned enough of our faith and trust to assume that there must be a good reason that he's making the decision that he makes if he indeed makes it? And you can go back and look at some of the other hires. I mean, you know, we obviously had some questions about Stacey Searles when he was brought in as offensive line coach, given what had happened when Searles was previously here and given the fact that Searles just sort of felt like a little bit below what Georgia has had as an offensive line coach. And yet look at the performance of the Georgia offensive line on the field here this season. And, you know, Brian McClendon coming back as wide receivers coach, maybe some people felt that way. I think the results sort of speak for themselves that there is just something to be said about just sort of being happy. being thankful that Georgia's won two national championships, being glad that Kirby Smart's been the coach who's been able to do that. And if the next move that Smart wants to make after the success that he's brought is to promote Bobo from analyst to to coordinator if Munkin moves on, then I think we would all, at least we should say, that Kirby Smart's earned the right to do that if that's indeed what he wants to do. That is Around the Doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at AAA. And, of course, AAA, a great name to know, when it comes to roadside assistance, if my car breaks down when I'm traveling around, I'm always thankful to have that AAA membership card in my pocket because it can get me out of trouble. It's also over the years saved me money on uh, hotels and things like that. You get great discounts with AAA when it comes to your hotel stuff. But it's also a great name to know when it comes to your auto insurance there, too. I mean, after all, uh, AAA knows the automotive game for a, as well as anybody does. They also want to put that expertise to work for you when it comes to your auto insurance there as well. There's all kinds of discounts they want to provide you there as well to put more money in your pocket they're very creative about how they do stuff like this so you can get that free no obligation quote and learn how you might qualify for the uh the membership discount or the paperless discount or the pay in full discount or the multiple car savings discounts they have all kinds of ways to put more money back in your pocket so let them do that for you here today reach out 833-718-2075 that's the number you can call 833-718-2075 find a branch near you talk about all the ways in which AAA can really save you when you switch your auto insurance with AAA here today all right before we're done Georgia gets a big commitment over the weekend uh we'll talk about what that means for the class of 2024 maybe a little bit of a brief preview of all the other stuff that's going to happen from a recruiting standpoint here this week but for now on what is going on with Georgia with its offensive coordinator uh is Todd Munkin considering going anywhere what happens if he does and everything else in between let's do it all right now as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern insider update as we talk to John Stinchcomb here today on Dog Nation Daily from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider so there's a lot I want to talk to John Stinchcomb about, including, as we said a moment ago, uh, it's actually an amazing run for the Georgia Bulldogs when it comes to being present in the Super Bowl, being a part of that. John was obviously a part of that history for this program, too. So we'll celebrate all that here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, John, first of all, good morning and thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show with us today. Certainly appreciate that. But uh, if you don't mind, let me begin here. What do you make, I guess, first of all? On these Todd and Munkin rumors, the fact that Munkin reportedly has interviewed for multiple NFL offensive coordinator jobs, I don't know that I think that means that he leaves or even wants to, 
but certainly would suggest to me that he must be considering making that return to the NFL. Otherwise, you maybe don't interview multiple different spots unless that's at least something you are considering doing. Before we get to anything else, let me just start with that part of it. How real do you take it that Munkin might be considering returning to the NFL? Oh, I think it's I think it's very real. I think he probably is in consideration of what his options are. I think you uh, when you're when you enter into the field of coaching, and uh, for him, he's not a Georgia loyalist, but certainly it's a factor to be a part of a program that's successful. And when you're looking at opportunities, uh, you, you want to be a part of a winner. And I think that breeds opportunities and. That's what he's kind of seeing what's out there for him right now. I think, uh, you know, obviously financial is a consideration, but he has an NFL pedigree. He's been in the uh, in that world before. So that probably does hold a little draw over him. And now that you're back-to-back national champions, um, there's probably a uh, – I've, I've accomplished what I've set out to accomplish for a couple of years now at this level – uh, maybe there's some interest in, in trying to do the same at a higher level. So I'm curious, and this is kind of going to state of mind, so I guess it's not admissible in court, but I'm going to ask you nonetheless. <laughs> you know, as someone who participated in college football and played in the NFL, can we talk a little bit more about why it is that Munkin might prefer the NFL? Because it seems like most coordinators at the NFL level don't get paid as much as he's getting paid at Georgia. And yet it's also kind of thought to be kind of the highest level of the game. You know, there's no recruiting in the NFL, but it also doesn't seem like Munkin's necessarily asked to do all that much recruiting down here. Uh, you know, as someone who's been a part of the sport at both levels, what might be attractive for a guy like Munkin when it comes to the NFL? Well, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It is the highest level of the sport. So you're competing with the best against the best and not only with players, but also the other coordinators. I think um, what one of the main reasons why Coach Munkin has found the success that he has in college is if, if you're going to take away the fact that there's uh, superiority talent-wise over most of the competition, I think you look week in and week out at his schemes and uh, what he's been able to do in attacking defenses and you recognize that more often than not, um, I think the game plan has been superior. And I think that there's probably an opportunity that he sees going to the NFL where you know maybe that parity is, is cut down and um, it's a little bit more of a tighter measuring stick, if you will, of, you know, am, am I one of the best? Because uh, he's certainly proven in my mind to be one of the best coordinators in the college game. And so, you know, there's an opportunity in the NFL where you're going, you know, these, these DCs that have been around a while in the NFL, they're pretty sharp too. And, you know, am, am I taking away a little from the uh, defensive coordinators in, at the collegiate level? Probably so. I think there's, uh, for some of them, there's opportunities for them to kind of experiment and grow. Um, and, and one of the things that it gets relied upon is just superior talent or motivation. Uh, but the NFL, the, the, the talent level from 1 to 32 is, is very high. And uh, each week those schemes are about as tight and as dialed in as they possibly can be. So at the collegiate level you get a little more uh, variability, but 
the, the degree and acuteness by which you have to prepare in the NFL is, is ramped up a little. And I think that's appealing to folks. Do you think that Georgia would have won the last two national championships without Todd Munkin? No. Um, you know, I, I think he has been a major piece in the development of our program. I think, uh, you know, past two years, it's at least two years ago, it was a defense first but uh, mentality. But I think what Coach Munkin has brought in is opportunities to really highlight individual performance and that's what I, um, if I, if I'm drawing back on personal experience, I think one of the things that separates uh, college from NFL is in the NFL they are constantly looking at individual matchups, individual skill sets, and particular abilities that they can uh, highlight and and feature. And I think that has been case in point for these past few years as to what Coach Munkin has brought to this team is the ability to recognize what a James Cook or yeah. uh, Brock Bowers or Lad McConkey can bring to the table and say, I've got something for him. I've got something for a Darnell Washington, a, a, a package, a formation, a uh, motion to give us the advantage again uh, before we even snap the ball. So I, I think he has very much been a contributing factor into back-to-back national championships, absolutely. Okay, so all that's a setup for this conversation then because, as I said before you joined us, I believe that if George were in a position where it needed to replace Todd Munkin, I just think it goes without saying that Kirby Smart ought to have earned the right to make whatever hire he wants to make here. And if he wants to hire Mike Bobo, even though Bobo, I guess, is sort of weirdly kind of a controversial figure among some Georgia fans – I think that that Smart ought to have earned the faith and trust of Dog Nation to be able to make that hire if he wanted to, if he wants to make it. Because otherwise, what's the point of winning if it doesn't create for you the goodwill to make the kind of coaching decisions you want to be able to make? But let me play devil's advocate on this for a moment. That if we believe, well, the Munkin hire was instrumental to the success that Georgia has, and Munkin, who had this sort of feeling of kind of an outside voice someone who had not been here and been a part of this he kind of came here and brought some new ideas and helped revolutionize the Georgia offense along the way and the offensive coordinator hire that Smart made prior to hiring Munkin James Coley well that clearly didn't work out too well in 2019 how much justifiable concern do you think Georgia fans should have about the next offensive coordinator uh, if Georgia is in the need for a next offensive coordinator here this year well I I think <laughs> what's the number one recruiter for players winning, right? Yeah. I mean, outside of NIL deals and dollars, the number one recruiting for players is winning. That same holds true for coaches. Coaches want to be a part of a winner. They want to go somewhere where they can find success, where they can contribute to that success. So you look at uh, Alabama over the years and – let's be honest with ourselves, they were the measuring stick. And they would constantly uh, find offensive and defensive coordinators that ultimately would become head coaches somewhere, move on to greener pastures. And it's because of those opportunities. And I think what's been established at Georgia now is that bar of which most, if not all, folks looking to fill a coordinator position would certainly want to come to the University of Georgia. So if Coach Munkin decides to move on, 
I truly believe that Coach Smart would be able to have the pick of the litter of, of what's available and probably could coerce others that may not be quote-unquote available but see this as an opportunity that would be unique and a big step up for most folks in their career. So, I, I you know, I, I hope that Coach Munkin is around for a long time. But if he's not, uh, I think because of the track record of this program and, and the ability for – uh, specifically an offensive coordinator to come in and have their identity deeply embedded into what what happens on the football field from an offensive perspective, that's an appealing carrot for anybody out there uh, that would be up for this job. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for Coach Munkin. I hope he sticks around. But if he does decide to, to move on, uh, whether it's, it's Mike Bobo or otherwise, I think Kirby's going to have the opportunity to – um, really replace him with with another great coordinator that um, isn't there isn't going to be a, a huge deal of drop off. So let me do one more thing on this, and then uh, we'll, we'll change the subject because you know that's what it kind of comes down to. Is yeah, I mean you would imagine if Georgia sort of throws open the doors and has a national search if they even in need to replace Munkin right now. Obviously that job's not available, but if it were, you would imagine that Georgia could attract all kinds of candidates for this job. But what if? Kirby were to say hey you know the right guy for the job is the guy who has been here with me this year and been at George before you know what if it was Mike Bobo as opposed to that outside voice how would you feel if Bobo would be the guy tabbed to replace Mungan if that even needs to happen uh coach smart has earned our trust from a hiring perspective you look at the guys that he's brought in it's been familiar faces and and some unknown commodities and uh, some guys on the up and coming. So uh, whether it was a position coach or a coordinator, I think Coach Smart, when he's made these decisions, has been proven right more often than not. Uh, I'm thinking through the staff, and there have been some key replacements and some some known commodities to Georgia fans and bringing back McClendon and Bobo and uh, others that were familiar with the program or came through this program, including Coach Smart, but then some others that um, were were lesser known names. And so, whatever decision, and, and you know, this is speculative. If that is, if Coach Munkin decides to move on, that um, I, I would trust that it would be in the best interest of Georgia and. You know, I, if all things being equal, I think uh, a former Georgia grad and Mike Bobo being the offensive coordinator sounds pretty appealing. I think you've seen what he was able to do when he was here, and there were some detractors of that track record. But um, even in Coach Munkin's speech at the, uh, was it Royals Award ceremony, yeah. where he's praising the rest of the staff, including Coach Bobo, for putting together some of the schemes that Georgia utilized, um, I think there are some really bright opportunities for guys to be able to step in if and if the case plays out where there is an offensive coordinator position available at Georgia. All right, let me uh, remind folks what we're doing here, and then I've got one more I want to ask you here. It's our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today. Of course, 
John is our Dog Nation insider, but you can become a Marlowe's Tavern insider, and there are great incentives for you just for doing that. It's completely free to join. When you go to Marlowe'sTavern.com, you can kind of get signed on there, and uh, just for signing up, you're going to get $10 off, $30 there to uh, purchase at Marlowe's Tavern just for signing up. Then after that, you're in the club, and each time you visit the Marlowe's Tavern, including the one right there in your neighborhood, you're going to get what they call qualified visits. When you spend at least $15, you earn a qualified visit. Now, once you get four qualified visits, you're going to receive a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit to Marlowe's Tavern. You also get big incentives on your birthday and things like that there as well. So you can redeem your free entree right there at your favorite Marlowe's Tavern. Uh, so go to Marlowe'sTavern.com to find out more about this. Get signed up. Get the great incentive just for joining. Get the big offer on your birthday there as well. Earn those qualified visits and get great savings on the craft cocktails, the chef-inspired food that Marlowe's Tavern is famous for. Make sure you check all of that out today. So, John, obviously one of the things that Georgia fans are so proud of is the great lineage of success that former players in this program have gone on to have in the Super Bowl. You were a part of that with the New Orleans Saints. That streak continuing here this year. A couple members of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of uh, rookies there for the Philadelphia Eagles. What does it mean for you to have been part of this thing? What's 22 straight years that Georgia's had uh, a player in the Super Bowl? Uh, what does it mean for your career to have been a part of this and the fact this has also continued for so many years since then there as well georgia players just showing up and being a big part of the biggest football game of them all how proud does that make you well it's a huge honor i mean you're representing uh, your university and there are some supreme bragging rights uh, let me tell you especially when you get in those locker rooms of you know your co- collegiate pride and i think this is a streak that will only continue for quite a long time, especially with the number of players that Georgia churns out and their major contributors. I, you're looking at the, uh, you know, RBU and LBU and, you know, those kind of discussions. And the reason why Georgia is in the discussion pretty much across the board in, in the position groups is because of the number of players that uh, they're putting into the NFL and are finding success. And, and that usually means that, uh, your key contributors to a part of, of winning teams. And sometimes you get buried on a roster. But when you're talking about Super Bowl representation, I think it is a, a huge honor to, to be able to carry that mantle and be a part of that lineage of you know great Georgia players that uh, are able to be a part of that stage. You know, it's, it's an awesome experience to play in a Super Bowl. And to know that uh, once again you're representing the red and black no matter which colors you're wearing that Sunday um, it is a huge honor and I think something to be really proud of and I certainly am and I'm sure I'm not alone in it. John great stuff thanks for being here as part of our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update here today we always appreciate your insight on these dogs we will of course look forward to having you back on the show again very soon and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you then always enjoy it BA go dogs thank you sir Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think John says all that really well. In fact, I want to talk more about this in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you, we're cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And can't wait to be on board Independence of the Seas with all of you coming up this April, April 24th through the 28th. We're going from Port Canaveral. Perfect day, Coco Cay. Nassau there in the Bahamas. We're just so excited about all of that. And as many of you know, I'm also getting very excited about my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here coming up there too. And this weekend, we've had a lot going on with our family, stuff like that lately. So we kind of leaned some in, into this sort of planning stuff just because it just sort of 
it's just a fun way to kind of take our mind off some of the other stuff that we have kind of going on here right now and planning some of those shore excursions and of course you know my kids have gotten super into the planning part of this so they've all got they they've all have very very detailed opinions about what kind of shore excursions they want to do we visit the various ports that we're going to be visiting and doing some of that kind of stuff and it's just a great conversation to be able to have you know it seems like every night we're like getting together watching the youtube videos and the things like that of seeing the ship and seeing all the fun stuff to do and all the fun places we're going to visit it's just a really fun thing i i think the getting ready for the trip getting excited about it for me in a lot of ways is as much fun as the actual trip itself so you can experience the joy that we're experiencing when you get your own royal caribbean cruise vacation book and i gotta tell you something I am really, really glad I've chosen a great travel agent to book the cruise that we're on because uh, you've heard me talk about Jessica Slater. Jessica's already helped us with a bunch of stuff, you know, had questions about this or questions about that. And I'm the kind of guy that I sort of like travel. So I, in a lot of ways, kind of like booking my own travel sometimes, uh, at least I have in the past. But I have really come to learn that actually having that person to kind of go to if you have an issue or that person i mean jessica's been on eight million cruises so you know she certainly knows all the ins and outs and you know she has that sort of well-earned expertise so not only am i excited about the royal caribbean cruise vacation we have coming up and the dog nation cruise we have coming up there as well i'm really thankful for a great travel agent who's helped us with all of this so i want you to visit jessica's website it's royaldogs.com royaldogs.com helping you get all the information you need about royal caribbean cruises on there with that you can also call jessica directly 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 and uh do like we've done get ready for a great royal caribbean cruise vacation coming up here in 2023 or maybe a couple of them uh it's gonna be a great time now speaking of great times uh certainly the super bowl sets up to be that way here in a couple of weeks big georgia flair and all of this we talked to john stench come about that a moment ago I think we have this we can show for you there as well a wonderful tweet from jordan davis now can you imagine first of all jordan davis is about as much fun to cheer for as anybody has ever been just such a great dude and you know he and the kobe dean big part of all of this and so uh davis tweets out he says is this the bulldog effect uh, and he tags the kobe dean there on that giving the go dogs the fly eagles fly i would certainly say it kind of feels like that way you know after winning that national championship and i know Nicobe for sure was out in LA. I don't know if Jordan was there or not. I don't remember. But Nicobe Dean was for sure out in LA for that. So not only did they win their own national championship at Georgia, they celebrated Georgia winning another national championship. And now here in their rookie season, they get a chance to be a part of the Super Bowl. I'm thrilled for them. I'm obviously happy for, you know, McColl and the Kansas City Chiefs there as well. But to see these guys step on the field in the NFL and have such immediate success and I think that Jordan's actually had a pretty good rookie year. Wasn't he like an all-rookie team member or something like that? So he has found a good bit of success here in his first year in the NFL. It's just a great thing to be able to see. So super happy for all of them. And obviously looking forward to what is the final football game of the year. You know, around here, we're college football folks. But when college goes away, (laughs) we kind of gravitate towards the NFL because it's all we got left. And last night, we lost our conference championship games. They are now over and done. And two weeks from now, it'll be the final football game of the year. So we'll be somewhat bittersweet about that but obviously looking forward to seeing a bunch of dogs representing there and we'll also look to see if uh jalen hurts can become the first oklahoma quarterback to win uh former oklahoma quarterback to uh, win a super bowl there as well so uh congratulations to the sooners seeing one of their own also make the uh, super bowl there as well and if you know you know on <laughs> something like that let me talk about something different here for a moment so there is a guy in the sec who I sort of weirdly think doesn't get very much attention 
but uh, probably should get more attention than he does. It's a guy named Vince Marrow. Vince Marrow is a Kentucky assistant. He's the tight ends coach. You may remember we talked about Marrow back last summer because he had gone on radio interview up there. You may be familiar with Kentucky Sports Radio. So, so Marrow goes on the radio there and talking about Georgia losing to Kentucky. Going to come up there. It's going to be cold, and Kentucky's going to pull the upset. And just really running his mouth about Georgia. Felt like they should have won the game in Athens in 2021, which is an incredibly silly thing to say, just given how much Georgia dominated that game. But Marrow's got a little mouthiness to him. I don't think anybody would uh, would deny that. And sort of weirdly, doesn't get, I would say, maybe enough attention for some of the pretty boastful things he sort of says from time to time well there's another example of this out there and i don't think i have this to show for you but i'm gonna try to read it to you so on twitter vince marrow goes out there and he says i don't get it uh, parents are still letting kids go to a certain school when it's very clear he wants back in the nfl uh glad we don't have that problem shaking he says smdh which stands for shaking my damn head and then he gives you the go big blue now this has largely been interpreted as a little bit of shade towards Jim Harbaugh at Michigan by Vince Marrow, which to me just comes across very silly. Now, I do think he's right. I mean, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're like interviewing for every NFL job you can two years in a row, it's fairly obvious that Jim Harbaugh would like to go back to the NFL. So somehow he hasn't quite gotten the offer that he wants. Like Michigan fans can try to spin this if they want to. But your coach is looking to leave. I don't think he likes the current state of college football, whether it be NIL or just the fact that Michigan can't quite compete at the national championship level. One way or another, Jim Harbaugh, if he could get the offer that he wants, I think some of this kind of comes down to how much control he has over the organization. He just wants to have full control because he doesn't get along with his athletic director at Michigan, seemingly. Didn't get along with his GM prior to that at San Francisco. Apparently, Jim Harbaugh just doesn't like having a boss. So I think that the issue for Harbaugh in the NFL is how much control can he be granted and NFL teams don't really do that maybe the way they once did so that may be part of the issue there on that but the from from the SEC side of this like what is Vince Marrow doing like he's always at there you know you know running his mouth you know I follow the sport pretty closely. I, I I can't really think of a long list of great Kentucky tight ends that have played for Marrow there. But hey, this guy's still out there picking Kentucky to beat Georgia, pulling the upset, taking shots at Jim Harbaugh for who knows what reason. It's like nobody runs their mouth more, gets less attention for doing so than Vince Marrow seems to get at Kentucky. But I believe it's about time to start giving him a little more attention here because I don't think he's doing his boss, Mark Stoops, any favor uh, for as loud as he's chosen to be. Uh, I'll also, I guess, remind you of this, that the Alabama coordinator searches, both offensive and defense, they are continuing on right now. There was a little bit of chatter over the weekend. I don't know how real this is. That, that maybe Todd Grantham is in the mix here for the for the Alabama job, which would be certainly very funny. Georgia fans would love all of this. I don't know what that means for Jeremy Pruitt. Obviously, Pruitt's got the NCAA stuff hanging over his head a little bit. In this day and age, I'm not even sure how much that even matters anymore. Uh, but obviously, I think you know, you're kind of waiting for some sort of ruling from the NCAA on Pruitt's status and what he kind of brings with him, with, you know, his penalties, things like that. So there's been a little bit of chatter about Todd Grantham. I, I don't know how real that is, but it's certainly funny to consider that. And on the offensive side here for a moment, to go back to something we talked about a little earlier about what, what if Todd Munkin moved on from Georgia and what if Mike Bobo is the replacement and the belief that some Georgia fans have that Georgia should go outside the program and seek to kind of bring somebody in the way it once brought in Todd Munkin. Like, look around. Like, who is it? 
you know, who do you want? You want Josh Gaddis? Because that's another name that's kind of popped up as a possible uh, name here uh, at Alabama, a guy that once worked there and just got fired from Miami. Is that the kind of outside voice you want to bring in? Um, I mean, I don't know if you're not – if you're looking around kind of paying attention here a, a little bit, it's not like there's just this long list of great coordinators waiting the wings to be tabbed by an Alabama who needs one and a Georgia who might need one. I just don't know how long that list is. And when you look at the track record of success that Mike Bobo actually has had as one of the best recruiters at Georgia when he worked here, uh, kind of a record-setting offense of the dogs in his final year on the job of 2014 with nowhere near as much offensive talent as Georgia would probably have right now, I'm not quite so sure there is an outside name that Georgia could bring in that would obviously be treated as as an upgrade more so than what Bobo might. In fact, watch the way this Alabama offensive coordinator search plays out as potential proof of that. It certainly seems like with more and more passing days, the notion that Alabama is going to be able to make some sort of big splash higher with its offensive coordinator job, the way that Steve Sarkeesian once would have been or Lane Kiff, uh, Kiffin once would have been, I just don't know that that's out there right now. And it's important if you're a Georgia fan, I think, to follow all of this because clearly that's one of the big offseason stories. So we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And then very quickly, I'll mention this. So Georgia has added to its 2024 class. This is obviously the final week of the 2023 cycle. But Georgia is still very busy when it comes to the class of 2024, including the possibility of adding at least one name to that class here this week. But over the weekend, Georgia has also added Dwight Phillips as well out of Pebble Brook High School. He's listed as an athlete. Yeah, there you get a nice look uh, there at Phillips. And you see him standing next to Del McGee in the uh, particular edit there from on three, which I think is an indication to you it should be that Phillips, while he's listed as an athlete, is going to be considered a running back at Georgia. And he is also, let's see if I can read this. Is he 1 million percent? Is that what that is? Is that seven zero six zeros? I can't quite tell. He's either 100,000 percent committed or a million percent committed to Georgia. So there you go on that. Um, Dwight Phillips, as committed as seemingly one could be to the dogs, coming in here to play running back for Georgia. And I think the thing to know about Phillips is, is he is very, very fast. And so one of the things I think you've seen with Georgia here, over the course of the last you know year or so is a real concerted effort to upgrade the speed within the program. I think that's one of the things that Brian McClendon has, seen, has sought to do when it comes to his wide receivers. It looks like Dell McGee kind of seeking to do that with his running backs here right now. That Phillips, listed as an athlete at Georgia, likely to play running back, brings a lot of speed into that room. So I, I think when you look at the you know the, the peach bowl the, the the great arian smith catch when you look at the way in which georgia's kind of flying around the national championship more speed on offense was noticeable this year and it's one of the things i think that led to georgia's success and even getting faster and speedier for the future is something georgia seems pretty intent on doing so phillips kind of represents that version for the running back position here right now so congratulations to uh, dale mcgee and the georgia bulldogs going to get a big name in state for the class of 2024 dwight phillips now in the mix so as george concludes his 2023 class this week it's also working hard on that class of 2024 there as well and pretty much big recruits across the board for what george has brought in for that class of 2024 so some good news to wrap things up here today and as we say goodbye to you we'll do so with our golden shoe here today and one of the things i love seeing the way in which georgia fans are collecting all that national championship stuff whether it be from our friends at the ajc or whatever else 
just getting all of that gear and all of that commemorative, you know, whatnot to just show how successful this run has been. In fact, uh, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Uh, is it Raiche? Uh, I, hope that, I hope that's correct pronunciation. Raiche, 1987, shares this. Let's say I've gotten my second national championship book, and now I'm preparing for my third because I know that it's coming. He says a three-peat on deck. Uh, go for three and 23, and obviously win that for uh, uh, Devin Willick, Chandler LaCroix, and their memories, which is a nice uh, sentiment to share there. And you do see right there on that desk all kinds of old school hats. Got the old school Falcons hat, uh, the national championship hat for Georgia, and the brand new Glory Glory book right next to the Top Dogs book. I'm lucky enough to be in both those books, so I certainly appreciate Rache uh, getting those. We'll give out a golden shoe there for that. We'll also remind you. A lousy, stinking Gators, nothing for them to celebrate. No commemorative books of any sort for them. And 271 days from right now, they're going to lose to George again. Dog fans love to be Gator haters, and you love the thought of that. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see all of you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.